Welcome to Parents Perspective. Grandpa, five-year-old Leo snuggled into his grandfather's lap. Tell me that story about when you were a little boy. His grandfather smiled and wound his arms around Leo. You mean the one about the calf? No, Leo was insistent. You remember the one about the chickens, he squirmed expectantly. Oh, that one. I'll be tickled to tell you that one. Grandpa tickled Leo's tummy. Leo giggled happily. Now tell it, he commanded. Tell how you were poor and you had to raise all those chickens and the neighbors didn't like it and how your shoes had holes so you put cardboard in them, but that didn't work when it was muddy, especially with all the chicken poop. Leo began to giggle again. From a parent's perspective, what should we know about passing on our values to our children and grandchildren? I'm Sandy Burt. And I'm Linda Perlis. Our guests both have backgrounds that bring their traditions and values to the fore in their lives, and both share them with others, but in different ways. Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt founded Congregation B'nai Tzedek in Potomac, Maryland in 1998. Under his leadership and guidance, the synagogue has become a dynamic place of learning and growth, both spiritually and through the wide variety of education programs that are offered. Rabbi Weinblatt has also been an adjunct professor of Jewish history and theology at Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. since 1992, and has received many awards from community organizations for his leadership role in the community and as an outstanding teacher and speaker. He is the author of God, Prayer, and Spirituality, a compilation of sermons, writings, and articles. Rabbi Weinblatt and his wife, Simcha, have four grown children and two young grandchildren. Welcome to Parents Perspective. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. Connie Crouppen is an artist and author whose work as a figurative painter and illustrator has been in juried exhibitions in galleries and private collections. Her design work has been featured on HGTV's Before and After and The Women's Club with Amy Ryer, as well as in The Washington Post, The Washington Jewish Week, Washingtonian Magazine, and American Style Magazine. Connie's commitment to her heritage, motherhood, and her new role as grandmother is the inspiration for a new book for parents and grandparents entitled A Time to be Born, a Jewish Baby Journal. Connie and her husband are the parents of two grown children and grandparents of one. Welcome to Parents Perspective, Connie. Thank you for having me. If you could only pass along one of your values for living to your children or grandchildren, what would that be and why? I can say it in three words, give to get. What I mean by that is what we put into the world changes the world. When we act with kindness and understanding, when we focus our actions for good, when we're outwardly focused rather than focused on ourselves, we actually improve the world. We don't necessarily live in a culture that supports that. We live in a very consumer-driven culture, a very me culture. But I believe that to be outwardly focused changes the world, and acts of kindness do. If you perform a simple act of kindness, you change the world in three ways. You benefit another human being. You show an example to that human being on how to perform an act of kindness. And that human being can go out into the world and 
start a chain reaction that really does change the world for the better. So I think it's a principle that I try to remind myself of every day. I think it's an important principle that I want to teach my children. And I believe it betters the world. A number of years ago, I was honored at a particular uh, dinner, and my daughter spoke, and she gave a tribute, and she said, Dad, you always told us the importance of two things. She said, the first is to have a sense of humor, and the second, I can't remember. (laughs) 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 So, so, and I've always cherished that. Um, But in reality, I think there's so many different values that are important. It's hard to narrow it down to one. Apropos to what Connie had said, I think part of it is making a difference. Part of it is realizing that you have the potential and the power to do so. Speaking out of the Jewish religious tradition, the teaching that everyone is created in the image of God including yourself, is important. That has to do then with how you uh, relate to others, how you relate to yourself, how you treat other human beings, and in relationship then with that greater being and being a part of something larger than just yourself. So when I think about the values for living, I think it's everything. And there's so many teachable moments in life. That, to me, is one of the important points, is that as parents, we should constantly be looking for those opportunities and constantly trying to pass on that there is more to life than just what we acquire materially, that there is more to life than just our own personal gratification and edification. But life is to be lived within the context of relationships, whatever those relationships may be to other people, to people we don't know, uh, to a greater being, to our community, and all of that. And right in that line, why should we leave a legacy? What is it about the idea of a legacy that would be important? And that's where you really have the chance to have a lasting impact beyond one's own life. How often is it, and I'm sure you've probably discussed this in, in, in other programs, when there are things that our parents have said to us that we hear ourselves saying to our children. A half of them probably things we said, we will never say that, and yet we do. <laughs> so there's an inevitable aspect of it. But the reality is that as parents, you know, one of my kids once said to one of my other children a number of years ago, they said, you know, it's kind of like having a life mentor or a life coach. And that's the way, I think it's beautiful if our children look at at us in that context, that we can help to mentor them, we can help to coach them through life, and we can help to give a sense of perspective. You know, we only have influence over our children for about 18 years. I thought you were going to say 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it feels that way. You know, for new parents, that seems like a long time, but it really isn't. And once they're 18 and they go off to college or pursue their life choices, they have control over those life choices. And I believe that we are stewards of tradition. Each of us, regardless of our background, is a steward. We inherit a rich tradition. And this is our time. This is our time. And with that time, it comes a responsibility. And the responsibility is to take what we have inherited and pass that along to our children. We have to live those values and our children will absorb those. If I can just speak and add one thing from the Jewish perspective, it's interesting. The word for parent is the word horeh, which is the same as the word for moreh, for teacher. And so there is an aspect of parenting which implies teaching, and that root of that word actually is from the word to guide. And so I think it's all integrated, that the ancient language teaches us an insight and that it's part of what we're referring to today, of passing these things on to the next generation.
I also want to suggest that parents have to have a sense of recognition that despite the fact that we have a tremendous impact on our children, there are limitations. And I think we have to go into it with a sense of reality. Peers are also extremely important in terms of the influence, maybe even more so at certain points in children's lives. So as a result, I think it's important in terms of the kinds of values that children should look for in friends, that we need not overlook that. Because those friends that the kids are going to hang out with will ultimately have a major impact on how the children uh, approach life itself. So there are two aspects of this. Number one is we don't parent in a vacuum. So let's not forget the role of others. Number two, then we have to realize that there are all kinds of things that go into who and what our children are and what they become. We'll take a short break now and be right back to continue our discussion on our legacy to our children. The popular book, Raising a Successful Child, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Talents, by Sandra Burt and Linda Perlis is available at all major bookstores and on the web. Welcome back to Parents Perspective. We are talking with Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt and author-artist Connie Crouppen about our legacies to our children. So how do we transmit these things to the next generations? One of the uh, interesting pieces of research that has been done is how effective it is for families to have regular meals together on a regular basis, whether it's once a week, whether it's Friday night, uh, whether it's Sunday night, whatever night of the week it may be, a meal in which we're not sitting there texting, where we're not dealing with our cell phones or distracted by television. But I really do think that the family dinner table is one very real place where we help to transmit those values. I agree with you completely, Rabbi. I also think that referring to the guidance and teaching role of parents, we need to live our values. And we need to set those priorities for family meals. You know, I think back on my parents and growing up in a small town. My parents, uh, there are so many examples I could give. I remember growing up in the era of civil rights and my mother wearing I Have a Dream buttons. And that spoke louder than any words, but she lived her values. I remember visiting New York City, and uh, that was a scary place for me coming from a small town, and holding my father's hand, and there was a, a disheveled old man begging, leaning against a building, and my father who himself was a child of Russian immigrants and worked very hard for everything that we had, took money out of his pocket and gave it to this man. And at that moment, I learned charity. And my father taught that lesson without saying a word. Connie, it's interesting you mentioned that. Many years ago, I was in New York in a, uh, a cafeteria, and there was a guy who was obviously a homeless man who was sitting next to us, and uh, he had fallen asleep, and as he fell asleep, he knocked over his cup of coffee, and it spilled all over the place. It woke him up, and I just went over, and I bought him another cup of coffee, and I gave him some money for breakfast, and I just didn't say anything. I just did. It's amazing. That happened about 20, 25 years ago, and just recently, my daughter remembered that incident. So in terms of what you're saying, how what we do, our children will see and they will remember and it will stay with them for a long time. It's important, therefore, for our actions to be consistent with what we say. Connie, you wrote a book entitled A Time to be Born, a Jewish Baby Journal, in which parents can record their baby's first years, I think up to five. Yes. How 
are your values expressed in this way, and what message do we send our children when we seek to document their lives for ourselves and for them? You know, it's interesting. A few years ago, my two grown children came to visit me for Thanksgiving. And for fun, I pulled out the baby books that I had kept for them. And the three of us sat on the sofa for hours, and we were laughing, and the tears were spilling out of our eyes. And, you know, they loved to see the silly things that they had said and the funny things that we had done and the holidays and school experiences. And it's interesting because when I think back of those days, early days as a mother of babies, I think about the diapers, the endless pile of diapers. I remember being exhausted and all the crying. But when we went through those books, what came through was the joy and the love and how I cherished them and the fun and the caring. And I realized that what I had produced was actually a testament to my love for them. And it was a real aha moment for me. A Time to be Born documents those early years and this is a gift for your child. You you feel that you do it for yourself because you want to savor every moment of your child's life. But the truth is it's a gift for your child as well because what it does is it gives that child a core foundation that he is loved. And with that core foundation can go out and fulfill his potential in the world. And as parents, what more do we want than that? So many of the stories that happen when our children are little, I hate to admit this, but we do forget them as we get older. Yes, and we do. having them written down, at least in a brief form, is so helpful. My oldest son became a physician, and one of the questions that he had asked when he was very little was written in his baby book, and we laugh about it now. He wanted to, and he said, I know you and Daddy made me, Mommy, but how did you get the bones inside? <laughs> so those things we have to treasure, Aren't you know. They wonderful? That's Absolutely. The other thing I was noticing as a grandparent now, several grandchildren, is when the children are named at the beginning, even before the baby books and all that, and Rabbi Weinblatt, you were talking about the significance of language, and I was thinking even the naming of a child to let the children know when they're old enough that their name means something. They're named for somebody in many traditions, and what significance the name has because that embodies the hopes and the dreams that the parents have for that child, which means the child is important just because he or she exists. To me, that's another significant piece of our legacy that we pass along. There's a saying which teaches and tells us that you have the name that you're given and then there is the name that you acquire. And that of all of the different crowns that a person can wear, whether it's a crown of royalty or a crown of other kinds of achievement, the crown of a good name is the most precious of all. Perhaps it's a window to a conversation is the way I look at it. And it's the opportunity then to talk about who the person was named for, what that person meant to the parents in those instances when a person is named after somebody. Or if not, even just why a particular name was chosen. And to me, you know, certainly from our family, that's given our children a sense that they're a link in a chain. Yeah. They're part of something greater than themselves, 
started long before them. It will go after them, but they belong. And maybe that's another important piece of the legacy to show our children and grandchildren they belong in whatever the context is. What I've done in the book is I have two family trees. I have a family tree that identifies four generations, but I have another family tree that explains the qualities of the people who came before you. And some of those people, this child may never meet, but they may be named for some of these people. And the people can come alive when you explain their character, their qualities, what occupations they had. All of that is very important and speaks to what you just said about continuity. We'll take a short break now and be right back to finish our discussion on our legacy to our children. Parents' perspective needs you, your feedback, your opinions, and not least, your donations that help with the cost of producing this award-winning program. Visit us online at www.parentsperspective.org and click on to give direct, I give, or eBay at Mission Fish. Please help us continue to help you. Thank you. Welcome back to Parents Perspective. We're talking with Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt and author-artist Connie Crouppen about our legacies to our children. As grown children look back on their childhoods, what do they usually want to incorporate into their own children's lives? Holidays, traditions, joy, that's what children will remember. And when you make it joyful and meaningful, when you have traditions, those are the times that children remember. Those are things that really stay with you forever. And so I think when you have rituals, when you have family traditions, we still sing a silly song that my children and I made when we used to bake special cookies for a happy, joyful holiday. And those are the things that live in your heart forever. Some of it is difficult to uh, transmit because some of it is feelings and some of it are smells, uh, the tactile things that perhaps we can't. But, you know, I think through the vehicle of rituals is an opportunity to try and transmit both values and memories and, uh, like we've referred to earlier, the chain of tradition. Now, speaking of the chain of tradition, how can our values affect the group we didn't raise, our grandchildren? Well, of course, oftentimes grandparents and grandchildren have such a powerful link. You know, the famous saying, the reason they have such a powerful link is because they have a common enemy. But uh, <laughs> leaving that aside, right. <laughs> uh, in a positive fashion, grandchildren have that wonderful approach with grandparents and grandparents with grandchildren. So it is a chance to try and be with them and just to offer unconditional love and support. So often when I'm officiating at a funeral and, you know, I hear from the children of the deceased and then I hear from the grandchildren. And in those instances when there is that special connection, it is special. Many times there's none because of distance or because of other issues. And I always view it as a missed opportunity because it can be so enriching. We're fortunate in today's world to have things like Skype and FaceTime, even for those who are far away, if we take advantage of that technology. My grandson is 22 months old, so I'm somewhat new to this. But what I really feel is the best part of grandparenting is that I 
have the role of making this little person feel that he is loved unconditionally. I can just bring joy to his life, give him a sense of who he is. You know, we have to make life and tradition meaningful, but also joyful. Suppose there are some regrets. Suppose we feel we haven't quite modeled the values we would really like to transmit. Be honest. Be honest. Share that and feel free to have that kind of a discussion at appropriate points in a child's life in order to be able to deal with it. I think that that's a chance to try and convey certain things as well, including no one is perfect. And there is a point in life when children discover that their parents are not perfect. And so they'll figure it out. And then the question is, how do we deal with that? So I think it's okay to admit our mistakes. And that can happen when they're 10 or 18 or 28 or 38. Is there something connected to this focus about values that parents might fail to remember in the stress of day-to-day living? I spoke earlier about teachable moments. So one of the things is you have to kind of pause and be equipped to know what your values are, what your guideposts are, because then they can pop up at any time and at any moment. By speaking with a parent from my congregation who was very disturbed because as they were driving in carpool, they heard the kids in the back seat talking, and the kids were talking about and making fun of a child who came early to school to get the meal plan because the child obviously came from a poor socioeconomic background. And so the parent was asking me how to deal with that and what to do. And, of course, she corrected the children and tried to say that they shouldn't be making fun of someone and so on and so forth. And all of that is very true and very obvious. What I tried to suggest was to add one other value in their conversation, and that is that we're really not supposed to speak ill of another person. You're really not supposed to gossip about another person. And so I said, while the immediate presenting issue was this one about how kids were making fun of someone else. That, number one, is wrong. Number two, the whole aspect of bullying is something we have to deal with and make sure that our children understand, going back to that early value that I said, that everyone is created in the image of God. Whether you believe in God or not, you can still teach that because then it has to do with how we treat other people and perhaps there are different ways to phrase that. But the second issue is recognizing that every person should be treated with respect. I said, but there's one other part here, and that is that if you just Try and teach, you know what, at the dinner table or at other opportunities, not to speak ill of others, not to engage in gossip, then that conversation never would have taken place anyway. So the point is that there are times when we need to be equipped and we never know when that question is going to be asked. I really think it's very important to set priorities. Referring to the uh, family meals If that is important to you, then you must make it a priority. I think that we actually live our priorities anyway. We do it somehow not so mindfully, but we really do in this free society do what we want to do and become who we want to become. I think the other thing that we're all saying, but maybe we haven't said it explicitly, when we want to teach children to respect themselves, we also are giving them the sense of respect for other people. Because if they don't have respect for themselves, they can't then transfer that. America is such a melting pot, and there's so many traditions, all of which have validity in our society, that that seems to be a value that 
that transcends everything. I have a couple of caveats I'd like to say. First of all, the aspect of imparting and trying to foster confidence, I think, is part of what you're referring to. And that is that if a child has um, a sense of confidence without being cocky and overconfident, without being egotistical, I think it allows them to feel comfortable taking risks and doing the kinds of things we're talking about. I often like to say that it's important for parents to convey to their children that they're not the center of the universe by the same token. Uh, They may be the center of the parent's universe, but they're not the center of the universe so that we have that appropriate understanding of who and what we are and how we operate in a larger world. All of those things are important as well. Well, Unfortunately, this is a conversation that has to close, even though we could talk about this subject for hours and hours. But before we close, are there resources that either of you would suggest for our listeners who want to pursue some of these issues further? One of my favorite books is a book called Blessing of a Skin Knee by Wendy Mogul. And I really think her attitude that she tries to impart to parents is such a a wonderful one. And it dovetails with much of what I've said today. Secondly, I would tell people to try and check out the local resources that they have available in terms of their religious organizations, their synagogues, their churches, and other community institutions. Thirdly is to look at newspapers. What I mean by that is when we have those family weekly meals that we've discussed earlier, they should be talking about global issues as well as what's happening in the individual family lives, because then it helps to broaden a child's perspective. Um, So those are a few things that come to my mind. My website for A Time to Be Born Jewish Baby Journal is www.atime2letterbborn.com. Well, our very, very special appreciation to both Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt and to Connie Krupen for being with us today and helping us discuss a little bit about what we want as our legacy to our children and grandchildren. So thank you both very much. It was indeed a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Thank you. The best way to get in touch with Parents Perspective is to email us at parentsper at gmail.com. Our first listener will receive either an autographed copy of Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt's book, God, Prayer, and Spirituality, or A Time to be Born, a Jewish Baby Journal by Connie Krupen. Just email us at parentsper at gmail.com and give us your name and snail mail address and mention show number 502. Tell us, if you can, what station you're tuning into. Visit our website, www.parentsperspective.org, where you can even listen to a show of your choice or check us out at facebook.com slash parentsperspective. This is Sandy Bird and Linda Perlis. We're glad you could share Parents Perspective. Today's program was made possible with generous support from you, our listeners. Our sound engineer is Kent Hitchcock. Music for this program was composed and performed by Jonathan Burt.